Hi, welcome to Almost Cooperstown. I'm Mark. And this is Gordon, and we love talking about baseball. Welcome to episode 22 of Almost Cooperstown. And I think it's kind of interesting, because this week we wanted to talk about something a little bit different, because it wasn't something that we really thought was that re- you know prevalent you know, in the history of baseball until we started diving into it, and that's ma- like Major League trades of Hall of Fame players and then almost Hall of Fame players. For the most part, we're going to be discussing mostly guys that are in the Hall of Fame or guys that just actually aren't even yet eligible to it. We're going to try and mostly stick to the bigger name trades here. It started for me when thinking about some of the worst trades in Major League Baseball history, and, 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 and sadly, they involved uh, the Mets, uh, uh, two often and nolan ryan uh, obviously being a hall of famer who was traded but he never did, did win the world series when he after he was traded so we're going to start with the players that got traded and then the team they went to went and won the world series and, and i think that's what makes it unusual because it's not too often there's a guy that's a hall of fame player that's traded and then goes on to help that next team win the world series most most of the time if a guy's getting traded not not necessarily because of his skills at that point. And guys got traded, you know, we're going to go all the way back to uh, the beginning of the 20th century. So guys got traded for various reasons different than today, including trying to bring fans in to watch the team. You you might trade for a, uh, a soon-to-be Hall of Fame player. You won't even think about the Hall of Fame if you're talking about 1910. Um, and you trade a guy because it brings fans into the park. There was no TV. There's no radio. The only way you made money was getting fans to come and watch the game and follow the team. So you would bring in an aging player, a good player, or maybe even a great player who was on the back half of his career simply with the idea of trying to get the fans interested in the team for some reason. And I think it's it's interesting because the first one we're going to talk about, you know, it's actually he helped win a World Series. We've talked about a fair bit, actually, uh, on this show, and that's Tris Speaker all the way back in 1916. Right, right. And so the, the Red Sox won the World Series the first year in Fenway in 12. Mm-hmm. They won a game uh, again in 15. They won in 16. Uh, and, and and Tris Speaker was a part of those teams. And so he's a beloved Red Sox player. And, and then he has a big disagreement on money, which is a lot of times what happened with, with players. And he didn't feel that he was being treated uh, fairly by the team. And so the Red Sox decide they're going to trade him. Uh, for a, a pitcher named Sam Jones, who was a, was a good pitcher on, on the Indians, and another one called Freddie Thomas. Uh, they go to the Red Sox and Tris Speakers, and $55,000 uh, do the Indians uh, send to the Red Sox. Yeah, so th- which was the most That's that anybody had ever paid right. for at the time. And and in terms of the disagreement, it's kind of interesting because Speaker was being paid $14,000 a year and wanted to cut him down to $9,000 a year. <laughs> Take a pay cut. Take a pay cut. Of five, no, five grand to us, it doesn't seem like a lot. But one, think about the proportion of money he's being paid at the time. They're asking him to almost take a over a one-third percentage cut on his salary, and he was in the prime of his career. Absolutely, and and Speaker, you know, he had led the league in batting average, on base average, uh, and, you know, he was was a great player and the best center fielder in the game, and and so he gets traded to the Indians uh, and ends up being the player manager of the Indians for that 1920 World Series team that we talk about all the time, and and they they ended up winning the World Series, and Tris Speaker had a lot of productive years uh, with the Indians, and he won a World Series with his new team. So one of the reasons he is one of the greatest players of all time is because he won those World Series with the Red Sox, and then he went and became player manager and won with the Indians. 
audience. Now, the next one didn't actually happen that many, many years later. It was only three years later. But, I mean, this one's kind of the one everybody knows. So it's almost – you don't need to talk that much about it in some senses. And it's really not even a trade. Yeah, but when Ruth went from the Red Sox to the Yankees. Right. And they, they, they that launched the curse of the Bambino. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, again, Babe Ruth won the World Series with those 1918 Red Sox. He also won it with the 15 and 17 Red Sox. So uh, – 15 and uh, he wasn't on the 12th, 15, 16. 15, right. yeah. 15, 16. So, right. Um, and, and, the, and the Red Sox, by the way, had won five World Series by the time uh, 1918 ended. And then they didn't win another one until 2004. I'll have you know that they have won four World Series in the first 18 years of this century when they won in 2018. They could be done. The curse of the bets. Be- <laughs> the curse of the bets. Bino. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You I trade don't... away Mookie bets, and now this is what uh, you get. Yeah, that's a good. I hadn't, hadn't thought of that. So yeah, Babe Ruth, um, and and for a hundred and twenty five thousand dollars, right? So back then, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. And, and the, as the story goes, the owner of the Yankees was in, investing in Broadway shows, and one of the shows was No No Nanette, and he needed money for the show, and so the re- the way he got the money was he sold Babe Ruth, uh, and got him and, and got a hundred twenty. $5,000 and a mortgage on Fenway Park. Uh, and, and that was that. Uh, Babe Ruth becomes a Yankee and they build Yankee Stadium. And there you go. So we actually had to wait a while then before the next Hall of Famer to be traded would be traded and help that team he was traded to win a World Series. We actually had to wait all the way to 1951. Yeah, and, and and this is one of my favorite players growing up. Uh, reading about him, right? He 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 had his big World Series for the Milwaukee Braves in 1957 when he won three games. What I didn't know, and is that he was a Yankee, uh, which is really kind of ironic because the Yankees, you know, have Lou Burdette in the early 50s, and Johnny Sane um, it, it gets traded for uh, Lou Burdette, um, and they didn't think very much the Yankees did of Lou Burdette. So they just basically thought they were giving up like a. a, a pretty good prospect or young player for like what was a, a pitcher you know in the prime of his career essentially or, or near the end of his prime of his or, career cer- certainly not anybody that you needed to worry too much about except that they did have to worry about him because in 1957 the milwaukee braves beat the yankees and lou Burdett wins three games against the team that traded him and the braves won their only world series in milwaukee in fact the the braves went again to the world series in 1958 uh but this time the yankees prevailed and lou, lou Burdett didn't quite have but so yeah series. i mean to have the guy that you traded all those years back really come back and come back and bite you there is unfortunate. Yeah, I, I didn't know that about his his history of having been a Yankee before, so I thought that was cool. Um, a, a guy who just died recently, one of the I think it's uh, five Hall of Famers that have uh, passed on uh, recently this year, uh, Lou Brock. You know, this was a, a very famous trade uh, when Lou Brock went from the uh, Cubs. Uh, to the Cardinals and the Cubs, who were kind of snake bit, even this is in 1964, you know, making a deal that their fans probably still lament to this day. Uh, Ernie Brolio, um, who was probably the best player in that trade, and Bobby Shantz, who was a good pitcher, another guy named Doug Clemens, no relation to uh, the Rocket, um, for for Brock, Jack Spring, and Paul Toth, two guys I've never heard of. So you know it's never good when you have one of these historical trades and you can only recognize one of the player names out of them. Generally, that means one of these teams lost real bad. Ernie Brolio was a pretty good player. I guess I knew Bobby Shantz because he played for a bunch of teams uh, and was a, was a good major league pitcher, won over 100 games in his career. In any event, before the trade uh, that year, uh, the uh, eighth place the, the Cardinals were, and, and then they win the National League 
pennant, right? Because the Phillies choked, if everybody remembers that from our, our episode about uh, greatest uh, collapses in history. The Cardinals not only do that, they go to the World Series and they beat the Yankees. So in the year he gets traded, they come from eight games down, they win the pennant and the World Series. Yeah, and Brock was a huge part of that. Let's see, he hit. So for the Cardinals, he hit 348. With uh, 12 homers and 44 RBIs. And I think for a long time, Lou Brock had the highest batting average in the history of the World Series because he had that one under his belt. And uh, he didn't play into too many others, I, I, if I'm not mistaken. And, and uh, he may still have one of the highest batting averages in his in the World Series uh, in the history of the game. And then, I mean, you actually don't have to wait that long before you get the next one. You know, you only have seven years to go. And this is one I didn't actually know about because I just always thought he was a red his entire life. Another gentleman that actually just recently passed away as well with Joe Morgan. Exactly. Uh, And and while we love Joe Morgan, we didn't pick him as our greatest red of all time. But he actually started not as an Astro, believe it or not. He came up before the Astros were called the Astros. They were called the Colt 45s. And so he gets drafted and the Astros, they hadn't built the Astrodome yet. So the Astrodome didn't come into 1964. I think this is 1963 and he and he was on the Colt 45s now he's on the Astros and he got traded from uh the Astros to the Reds uh, for some players that, you know, people would know. Uh, Jack Billingham was a fine pitcher. Ed Armbruster was a good player. Cesar Geronimo played on the World Series championship teams for the Reds. In the, in the, and Dennis Menke was a, was a pretty good. And, and Lee May was a very good first baseman for the, uh, for the Astros. Uh, Tommy Helms, you know, was also had a hitting streak record in the National League. I think he had 41 games or something like that. So this was a big trade with good players. But it's interesting, and I'm guessing at the time, Morgan wasn't one of the bigger names involved in this deal, was he? <sighs> That's a good question. I don't think so either. I mean, I think they knew he was a talented guy, but he certainly hadn't shown anything that you know, he, he, cause he, he I always because he's always known as a red. So it's hard for me to imagine he had this any kind of significant career with the Astros mm-hmm. or the 45s prior to becoming a red. Well, and again, this is until 1971 that this trade was made. So he is in in Houston for a number of years. Uh, before he gets traded to the Reds. So he's a bit of a known quantity by the time he goes to the right, Reds. Right, right. And, and certainly not a star and not expected to do what he did. Once he got to the Reds, his career kind of took off because the Reds were good as of 72 all the way through their World Series victory huh. in 72. Almost like right after he showed up or something. Yeah, that would be kind of true. So, I mean, interesting. We have another middle infielder up next. And this is one where... It's kind of hard for me to believe that this guy, one, was dealt because I thought he was, again, a cardinal his entire career. So I just had no idea that Ozzie Smith was traded. Yeah, yeah. And and interesting because Ozzie Smith at the time, and this is how I remember Ozzie Smith early in his career, great field, no hit. It wasn't like he was a a, a kind of a decent He was hitter. Ray Ordonez except better. He was a bad hitter. And the guy he was traded for, Gary Templeton, was the star to a degree, he he had uh, all star appearances. Although one year he wouldn't go to the all star game, his famous words, Gary Templeton, was "If I ain't starting, I ain't departing." And he didn't get a starting nod for the all star game, and he didn't show up for the all star game. Wow! Which I, that was a big thing, you know, at that time. Uh, and yeah, Ozzie Smith had a no trade cause, and he demanded a uh, twice his salary to waive it. Uh, and so they they basically 
swapped shortstops for the most part. There were other guys involved in a six-player deal, but they're all secondary or tertiary players. You had two guys of this quality that were being swapped for each other. That's not uncommon. And and everybody knew that, you know, Ozzie Smith was the best, you know, a, a great defensive shortstop even at the time, but you didn't expect him to hit. And somehow he figured it out when he went to St. Louis as a hitter. I and mean, little by little, he became a, an above-average hitter. And I think that's really interesting that a guy who looked like he couldn't hit his way out of the proverbial paper bag uh, ended up being not just a, a, you know, if it would have been just an average hitter, it would have been fantastic with his defense. He was an above average hitter. Where, yeah, and it's like, and it's not that Templeton went on to be a bad player right. for the Padres. It's just that he was an above average offensive shortstop for the time, but that was about it. It wasn't like Smith, who was a solid offensive player and one of the best, maybe the best defensive shortstop of all time. I think that's an argument that I would probably support you on. So, so it's just, it's more in terms of the value that Smith, like this wasn't even necessarily a bad trade. It's just the value Smith ended up bringing was so insane compared to. And Templeton played 10 years in San Diego. This was, he's, you know, that's, that's my like dad would, a, yeah, would have said, he's no get, stiff. Get, they didn't get ripped <laughs> off here. Exactly. Exactly. So another Cardinal um, who got traded and, and this was only, uh, you know, Right after that, um, uh, well, 1983. I'm sorry. So it, it was a little bit, uh, a little bit later than that. Um, Keith Hernandez. Two years later, Keith Hernandez. So you got to think about Hernandez. He's on the Cardinals, and he wins the World Series in 1982. Mm-hmm. Um, he had shared the MVP with Stargell in 1979. Uh, so a, a, a great player, I'd say. You know, they knew how good a fielder he was. And uh, Keith had some issues off the field. Uh, yeah, I think all of the '86 bets did. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is before, so so one of the things was when when Keith. Right, right. Yeah, it's before, but we have to look at the collection of guys they start amassing because the next guy on our list is somebody else we might uh, say yeah, yeah, had some yeah. troubles as well. Well, um, but but Keith gets traded, you know, to the Mets, um, and and if we remember the guy that he got traded for was Neil Allen, who was the Met closer at the time. But I think his. 11 saves in his career were all with the Mets and he was just a relief pitcher with the Cardinals and they were thought they were getting a good relief pitcher and when they got was a an average one at best Rick Ownby for for people was the other pitcher in that trade uh, and Hernandez changed the Mets right and, and, I mean you know. it really it is a kind of a really weird trade when you look at this one because like it wasn't like Hernandez was old at this point. He no. was like a couple of years off of winning an MVP. No, he just had a falling out with management. I think they knew he was uh, he was doing some some things that he shouldn't be doing off the field and doing some cocaine. And and they things just didn't want to deal they with just, it. Whitey didn't want to have him on the team. And Strawberry came up with the Mets in 83. So the Mets, who were really bad, were not quite as bad once Strawberry got there. And then halfway through the season, or June 15th, 83, they trade for Hernandez. All of a sudden, they look around and go, hey, you know, we, we got some guys that aren't so bad. Yeah, so what do they do the next offseason, basically? Right. They, they they bring in the guy from Montreal who was the best catcher in the game at the time. One of the, you know, a Hall of Fame catcher. They go out and get Gary Carter from the Expos. And and the Mets trade uh, a good player in Hubie Brooks, a good young player, um, a, a, an average catcher in Mike Fitzgerald, and two minor leaguers for Gary Carter. I still don't understand why the, why the Expos And, and you this. know the minor leaguers are bad because they're we're talking about a deal that's, you know, whoever knows how many eons old at this point, and all they're known as is two minor league players. It's yeah. not a good sign. You don't even name them. Yeah, you're not, you're, it's like, it's like 
that's still being a player to be named later, like 15 years after the deal is made. So so Ozzie Smith obviously wins his we, – we talked about him. He wins World Series with the Cardinals. Keith Hernandez and Gary Carter come over to the Mets, and they win World Series with their new teams just to be consistent here. Yeah. And, so Every one of the guys we've talked about has been traded to a new team and then won the World Series with the new we team. We think that's kind of special. And I think that's kind of special. And now we get to the last guy that has done so. That's right. And in fact, he's busy right now. Uh, he'll be doing uh, the final game of the National League Championship Series in the booth. Uh, John Smoltz. Now, I thought I, I always now this is because he was traded in 87, which was conveniently two years before right, right. I was so born. Like Lou Burdett for me. So <laughs> to me, unfortunately, he's always was, was was brave. And that's what I knew him as until I think he became the Red Sox closer near the end I of his career. Did. You're right. I think you're and right. He, and here, I mean, I don't think you need to say much about Smoltz because to me, he's just so unique in pitching. He was a dominant starter for a bunch of years and then became a dominant closer. Yeah, there's only one other player that I think you could put into that ca- category. I don't know if you would have called him a dominant star, but he had won, won well over 100 games, and that's Eckersley. So mm-hmm. Eckersley did both. And, and, and I don't know if Also he, in the Hall of Fame. I don't know. I don't know. I need to look up Smoltz, actually. Give me a second here, because I'm just curious. Because I would love to look at, did he win any Cy Youngs in his career, and when did he win them? Yes, he did win Cy Youngs. He did win a Cy Young. He won a Cy Young in 96 for the world championship uh no the american the, the national league championship braves. braves the yankees won the world series that year and then he became he didn't become a closer he only actually you know what it's a little presumptuous of me to proclaim him an elite closer because he really only closed for three seasons now he was great in those right seasons. but he doesn't have like 300 career saves or anything no like he's that. got 150 career saves that's still pretty impressive yeah, he these... saved 55 45 and 44 games in three 150 seasons. games in three years he Are you almost kidding? he almost won the cy young that first as year a closer he became a closer right, yeah he right. was third in the voting so, uh, so uh, the, the fact that he could get that high as a closer says a lot about how good he was and i'm gonna say we're probably leaving eckersley off the list here because i know he pitched for the red sox and then got traded to the oakland a's and obviously won the world series um, with the Oakland A's uh, in the uh, late 80s. He was on that 89 Oakland A team, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, so he missed him. So, yeah, because he was, let's see, he pitched for Oakland when they he gave up the home run to Gibson, mm. uh, and that was in uh, in the World Series in 1988, and then they won the World Series in 89, but he pitched for the Red Sox before that. So whether he was, I can't remember if Eckersley was traded, or I think he was, or it was a free agent deal, but he certainly was a guy who won the World Series with his second team. And, and it's interesting because there's still a lot of noticeable Hall of Famers that were then traded, but didn't just end up making the impact to win the World Series, but they were so notable that they were traded. Right, they didn't win... They didn't take their team. That's how we kind of broke it down. And in fact, I, I really thought when I started this that the old well, they just didn't trade guys back in the day, if you will. You know, uh, the uh, big stars didn't get traded. We we talked about Babe Booth and Tris Speaker. That's pretty unusual. But as it turns out, Rogers Hornsby in 1926 got uh, traded from the Cardinals to the New York Giants, and and it was a giant trade for the time. Uh, and yet uh, he didn't win the World Series uh, with his new team. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because you had a lot of like there's a whole bunch of then trades with like say the Mets, right? In the in the 70s where they traded Nolan Ryan and Tom Seaver, but Nolan Ryan while well, he went on to, you know, achieve a Hall, in, of, fame a Hall of Fame career, the Mets didn't miss any World Series that Nolan Ryan went on to win. And when they by the time they traded Seaver, 
I mean, Seaver was still a good pitcher, but he wasn't as much Tom Seaver. He had some good years with the Reds. That's you know, and, and but 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 not as he was not the same. The level dominant of, pitcher, yeah. And I think that's sort of a, a consistency. Is like, like we said before, most of the guys that got traded got traded sort of in the latter part of their careers when they weren't going to make a giant impact. Now we're talking starting with the Hornsby trade. He got traded for Frankie Frisch, who was a star second baseman for the Giants, and actually that was a trade that worked out. Frisch became a very good player um, and, and a Hall of Fame player um, when he went um, in that trade and and you know hit 361. So, you know, for the Giants in 1927. So, you know, he did his job going over there. And so that was a big trade because you had two primary players, you know, even though Hornsby is one of the greatest of all time, and you may not put Frisch there, but he's a Hall of Famer, they got traded for each other. Yeah, and then there are some trades where it's just like, I don't know what the team was thinking when they made this <laughs> deal, because you have like the Frank Robinson deal in 65. Yeah, right. Where, like, they trade him for peanuts literally pe- oh no i'm sorry pappas mike pappas milt milt Mil- pappas milt pappas oh Mil- sorry milt yeah. pappas who won 30 games before they dealt him and then a couple of guys named joe while frank robinson went on to win the mvp for the reds the next season right so robinson as we talked about in an earlier podcast um, that he won the mvp in the american league and he's the only player to win it in both leagues so he gets traded which is a shocking trade from the Orioles to the reds after the 65 season in december and he wins the mvp the next year i mean talk Just about a it. baffling <laughs> trade how does, how does that even happen so right you mentioned nolan ryan um another great pitcher uh steve carton you know when when carton got traded uh from the cardinals to the phillies um, he was traded for a guy named Rick Wise, who was a good major league pitcher, but you know not a great one. Whose main distinction is that he pitched a no hitter one time and hit two home runs in the no hitter. Did Rick Wise? Yeah, Steve Carlton went to the Hall of Fame. Steve, <laughs> right, right, <laughs> lefty. As as Tim McCarver would say, he plays an elevated game of pitch and catch. But Carlton, unfortunately, aside from that crazy season when the uh, the Phillies won something like fifty nine games and Cardinal uh, and and Carlton won twenty seven games. Out of their 59. Yeah, that probably shows he was pretty good. <laughs> so, um, and, and you can go down, you know, go down the list. And, and, and it's, it's hard to take a guy like Ferguson Jenkins and, 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 and not think that he is one of the great pitchers of all time and just doesn't really get the credit because he pitched in Chicago and they never won a World Series. That was where he had his greatest years. Uh, And then, you know, he gets traded to the Texas Rangers in 73. And now Texas had only been there a couple of years. So sort of be talk about setting out the pasture, being sent out the pasture. um, And he won a lot of games for Texas. And I think that's what happens sometimes with some of these older players is I think with the great sometimes they're just they're an unusual player because they keep being productive so much longer into their career and i'm sure uh, this is something obviously i can't verify but i imagine in the past it was probably a lot more likely that you figured a guy that was 35 plus was just going to break down because that's what they did and so when you traded some of these older players that were getting into the twilights of their career they weren't expecting them to go on and have another really good three or four seasons and these guys just kind of end up doing it and he got traded for a player i liked a lot um who was another almost guy in bill madlock who uh won multiple batting titles i think he won two batting titles in his three seasons uh, in that trade back to chicago Uh, it's then most of these teams like there's very few there's been very few deals where the team got ripped off mad dog was uh was a good player but again we were just still an almost guy but that that was a big trade at the time Mm mm-hmm and then, like, I mean, there were a couple big trades, like, like I think it's interesting is because then in the 90s, you then well, in the modern era now, and not so much the modern era, but more the recent era mm-hmm. of baseball, you've had a lot of big name guys get dealt, but, like, 
that Rick A is to the Yankees with Ricky Henderson was just weird. <laughs> yeah. There was just that, that was just like they traded him to the Yankees and then he left the Yankees and like went, went back to the A's like almost immediately. Yeah. And he had a, a great season. He sw- stole 52 bases and, and did his usual, you know, on base percentage. What a, what a great player this guy was. A 425 on base percentage. You know, that that's eye opening. And uh, yeah, Ricky didn't, but he didn't lead the Yankees to the World Series because it took another seven years until the Yankees began that string in 1996. And then, like, the next year, I, I have a tough time killing a team for doing this because you, you just you can't expect them to know when they're doing it. Like, the, So the Red Sox in 1990 trade Jeff Bagwell to the Astros for the 36-year-old relief pitcher Larry Anderson. That was a big trade. Larry Anderson was like a piece to the puzzle that yeah, year. Exactly. And he helped Boston won the AL East that right. season. So it's like you can't really be – you can't really kill a team because then the prospect went on to be Jeff Bagwell. Like, yeah, and, and I imagine if you looked at Bagwell at that time with that funky batting stance, you know, it, 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 for scouts, it might have been a really hard thing to think this guy's going to be a great player. Exactly. Yeah. You know, the same way that, like, you know, and then you have a couple years later, like in 98, Johnson, Randy Johnson's traded from the Mariners. At the trading deadline. At the trading deadline, which which this made sense for the Mariners. They were starting to see their window close. They were going to need to re-sign a bunch of people because I think the A-Rod deal was coming up around this time, actually. Um, so it made sense that they needed to, to trade. And, and Johnson, while he was dominant for the Mariners, there was still a lot of inconsistency. And what he put together after not even when he went to the Astros, but when he finally ended up on the Diamondbacks, that was the key difference. He started 11 games and 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 uh, sat down 116 hitters by strikeout in 84 innings. The, and the Astros, you know, didn't win in the NLDS. And that was the end of Randy Johnson and the Astros. Yes, he was a rental. And you have a lot of guys and you start seeing that. That's what you start seeing here is because of the way the contracts and the way teams look at them have changed. You start seeing guys being acquired purely as a rental. Right, like, right. For instance, just to bring him up, this was a rental that happened in uh, 2008 with CC when he went to the Brewers from the Indians. Everybody knew there was no chance he was re-signing with the Brewers after that season. It was just not going to happen. But they rented him out so that they could try and win the NLDS, which they ended up losing to the Phillies. But, but I, I thought that was a bold move, and, and, and it, it didn't work out for CeCe. And then he went, ended up going to the Yankees and pitched nine years for them. And here's a guy who, who didn't win the World Series, but he will be a Hall of Fame pitcher. And, and he made it worth for the, the, the Brewers. I mean, he went 11-2. and two. Right, right, and and that that franchise really at that point hadn't had anything to cheer about for a really long time. So just showing your fans that you're all in by going and getting a player like CC Sabathia um, was a bold move, man, and good job by the Brewers management. Mm-hmm. And I think the last one that's kind of a, uh, last one that's kind of a guy that ended up he's not still active or ineligible for the Hall of Fame, I should say, because he mm-hmm. is in the Hall of Fame. Is the Roy Halladay deal? Yeah, and 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 we were we were talking about this before the show. So Halliday goes from the Blue Jays to the Phillies. So the Phillies win the World Series in two thousand and eight. That's you know gets that monkey off their back because they haven't won in a, you know in a long time. So I think since nineteen eighty, uh, and uh, Roy Halliday gets traded there the next year. So after the two thousand and eight season, he goes over to the Phillies, and the Phillies go again to the World Series in two thousand and nine. And they lose to the Yankees. Now, future Mets prospect and heartbreaker was also involved in this deal because, unfortunately, this is where the Blue Jays got future piece uh, Travis Darno. Oh, wow. That's right. That's right. So they get Darno in this deal. And then I think about three years later, they deal Darno and Syndergaard for one R.A. Dickey fresh off of his Cy Young season. 
That was probably one of the best Met trades ever, by the way. Yeah, you can't really do much better than that. And then I think it's kind of interesting because there are a suite of guys that have recently been traded. And they are just either not in the Hall of Fame or they're just ineligible because it's been too recent to them retiring. And so I think there's a couple guys that are at least worth mentioning here, some of these deals. Because yeah, you have some big names in here. Like, right. and, 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 and if they didn't win the World Series, but they contributed to their to their new team, certainly. I mean, yeah. I mean, you'd argue Maguire is almost more remembered as a Cardinal than an A in some respects. Oh, yeah. Mostly because they won the World Series with the A's. So but that's, he set the home run record right, with the Rookie Cardinals. of the Year with the A's, World Series. Only one World Series. I, I was really surprised to think that those, those A's teams of the late 80s, they won in uh, 1989. They lost in 88 Eckersley we talked about to the Dodgers and they lost in 1990 to the Reds so they were in the World Series three three years in a row only won one of them but they won one and so uh, yes McGuire uh, going to the cards was a big deal um, Kurt Schilling you know and and what a weird career he had before you know he he got to the Phillies even because he you know he was an Oriole I think uh, early in his career then, yeah he was an Oriole for a year or two maybe three but then he went to the Phillies and kind of figured out and became he was a relief pitcher with control problems and, the, and then he be, but then he figured out and became you know at least a solid starter for them but then he went to the diamondbacks and that's when he figured it out yeah everything so he did win a world series um with the diamondbacks before he went on to win one with the red Sox. correct so so i guess he would be in that category but he is not in the hall of fame um and it doesn't seem like the the voters are out there thinking that he is a shoe-in but uh, as we've said many times this is a guy who is despite everything you say about him should be in the hall of fame just in the basis of his his production and his career and then, and then there were still some other ones. Obviously, everybody remembers that 04 postseason where Beltran gets traded from the Royals to the Astros and just goes absolutely insane. Yeah, yeah. And and the, the Astros didn't win the World Series, but at least they got to the World Series. Yeah, um, mostly on his back. And and Carlos Beltran. But they didn't get to the World Series. They lost oh, to the that's Cardinals. Right. They went the next year. They went the next year and lost to the White Sox in 05. Right. Um, and, and so Beltran uh, ended up parlaying that into the big contract with the Mets. Uh, and and he was worth the money. Yeah, yeah. He he did a lot of, a lot of good things for the mess, and he will be a Hall of Famer one day. Definitely. But again, didn't win a World Series with his new team. Uh, we talked about CC, uh, and here's a guy who. Uh, I guess could have been really useful this year. Um, the Astros would tell you because losing him, you could argue they, was they a reason. To, they would have liked to have Justin Verlander on yeah. the mound last night. Yeah, and when the, and when the Tigers traded Verlander to the Astros, you know, it seemed a little bit at the time like Verlander was like not quite what he was. Ironically, it almost seemed like one of those old timey deals where you trade the aging, like you know, Hall of Fame candidate type player and late in his career. And he just kind of was, I'm not that late in my career, boys. <laughs> right, right. And, and Verlander, uh, again, in a Hall of Fame career for sure. I think he's a, you know, no doubter. Uh, you know, and we don't we don't put guys like Zach Granking in there because you keep calling him a mercenary, and I think that's true because he's pitched for so many teams, uh, and I don't know that he's had that distinction of ever winning the World Series with one of those teams. He's been I don't. I'd have to look back through. It is to me. It's like with the difference. What makes Granky mercenary is more specifically the way in which he approached it. Certain guys end up pitching for lots of teams. Verlander's pitched for a bunch of different teams, I think, actually, uh, but. Yeah, that's because he's gotten traded a bunch. Greinke as much sought out specifically short-term deals with a lot of these franchises after he got out of the Royals and has just pitched for whoever will pay him the money. 
Yeah, and 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 so we 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 started by saying some of the Granted, old, worth every penny of it. Don't absolutely. get me wrong. You know, they, they, you just don't trade guys because of uh, disagreements with the team too much anymore. It, it doesn't happen in baseball um, unless you can get equal value back. But you know, Hall of Fame players like Al Simmons and Hack Wilson, who was a uh, uh, has the still has the single season RBI record of 191, uh, but had a drinking problem, as did Chuck Klein, and so they got traded for other reasons that were not necessarily related to their production on the field i think also because people i think part of the reason also now is teams are so much better at being able to evaluate how much a player is actually contributing that if you're an aging superstar even if you're not necessarily totally declined yet or you're um, i guess i should say even if you are on the decline you would have to be so toxic in the clubhouse to get yourself kicked out because teams know they're not going to get the rich because even if let's say you're like a 4.5 war player that's on the downside of his career. Per you're, season, four or five. Per size, yeah, yeah, per season, right? So you're a very good player, but you're you're obviously next next year you might be four, then three seven, then three five. Like it's going down, obviously. The problem is you're never gonna get a player that's even remotely close to that back. At best, you're gonna get prospects that are a couple years out from maybe contributing on that level. So I think teams are a lot more reluctant to trade players like that now because it's so much tougher to get the expected value back out well, of Well, yeah, and you have to keep in mind that we had no free agency. So if you go back into the, the only way to move a player, and a lot of times uh, I went through all these trades, that players are traded for cash. So teams were hard up for money, and they'd trade for a and big that player. And just that will them, not happen doesn't happen anymore. now. You You're know? never going to have a team go, you know what? We need a couple hundred thousand bucks. Let's sell one of our best players. That, that, that is work. just something that does not happen. Now, free agency has changed the game. We had a guy who started for the uh, – uh, uh, the Rays, uh, Charlie Morton, um, who after he left the Astros in 2017 was on the World Series winning Astros, uh, didn't get traded, signed a free agent contract. I think he got 30 million bucks from the uh, Rays for two years. And, and the Astros waved bye-bye to him because they thought, and he went out last uh, in the last game of the uh, American League Championship and shut down the Astros and the Tampa Bay Rays go to the World Series. And there's a little poetic justice for Charlie Morton, I think, there, who is not going to be going to Cooper down by yeah. the way and we are all very glad at least many baseball fans are that there will be no astros in the world series yeah i would say uh there's, there's some people that might say wouldn't the dodgers like another uh, uh another shot him but they're gonna have their difficulties getting th- through the braves let's in just game seven. Uh, i'm just gonna enjoy how it ended up so uh i'm sure there'll be some other big time trades along the way uh you know in, in years hence but for the time being you know these are the biggest trades i think that you know that we really have to talk about there were other ones we didn't talk about um, but these are the most significant ones. Agreed. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. And you can follow us on Twitter at AlmostCoop.